Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Greetings to your brothers and sisters. In the studio, you have Rogers Atwebembile and uh, Kennedy Mchinangua Gondre from the Center for Apologetics Research. We have been dealing with a series entitled, What Did Jesus Mean? We've taken some time looking through the sayings of Jesus, and we've drawn several conclusions. Number one, that Jesus' words in the Gospels are some of the most powerful statements you will ever hear or ever know. Very profound, very authoritative, full of great wisdom. But number two, we've arrived at the conclusion that some of these statements Jesus made were hard statements, sometimes seemingly controversial, in fact very often misunderstood, in fact painting a picture of a Jesus who is rude and arrogant, and so many people out of confusion of what Jesus said and meant have misinterpreted, misunderstood, misapplied some of the statements of Jesus, of course to their own destruction and destruction of those that are following them. So this is a great concern for believers that indeed we must go back to the scriptures and find out what did Jesus say and what did he really mean by what he said and what does that mean for us. Kennedy will read for us a passage and then we will look through this passage to listen to what Jesus is saying and most especially to find out what he really meant and how this applies to the rest of our lives. Kennedy. So, dear listeners, as Rogers has pointed out, uh, these are some of the hardest sayings of Jesus. But let's just go to our scriptures this morning uh, as we turn to John chapter 10 from verses 22 to 41. John chapter 10 from verses 22 to 41. It was now winter and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's corn red. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my father's hands. The father and I are one. Once again the people picked up stones to kill him, and Jesus said, At my father's direction I have done many good works. For which one of these good works are you stoning me for? They replied, we are stoning you for not any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. And Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say, you are gods. 
and you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say, I the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me because I carry out my Father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. Once again they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River, near the place where John was baptizing, and stayed there for a while, and many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has finally come true, and many who were there believed him. Amen. 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 What a very powerful passage. What we see in this passage is a very interesting scenario. The people come to Jesus and they say, we thank you for the miracles. We thank you for the great teachings. We thank you for the way you love us. But there is something you haven't really told us to our understanding. Who are you really? Are you the Messiah or not? Oh. And don't tell us parables. We want it plain <laughs> blank. Who are you really? We want to relate to you at the level of who you are, not what you do. We see what you do. But who are you? Not what we think you are. But, but, just are you? but just tell us plainly. Don't use any other parable or any other way to confuse us. Just come out open, Jesus. Tell us who you are. And you see, Kennedy, that is the heart of the Christian faith. Exactly. At the foundation of what it means to be Christian is the question, who is Jesus? And Rogers, I want you to see, unlike the modern Christian, you would be interested in all the good things that Jesus provides. And they would never come to a point and asking this question. Yes, you are giving me all these wonderful things. You are doing all these wonderful things for my family, for my friends, for myself. But we never come to a point to ask, but who are you? In fact, I am very much challenged by the Jews of Jesus. Yeah. These are the people you would least expect such a question from. And when you will compare with our today's prosperity-oriented society, where people relate with Jesus on the basis of what he offers, you can see why these questions become extremely urgent and important. In other words, the Jews of Jesus they are saying, the things you are doing are amazing. Yeah. They are so good. We love them. We love them fine and good. But they're not enough. What good are they if we never know who you are? If we cannot relate those things on the basis of who you are. Now Jesus, tell us who I you are. I wish every Christian in Uganda or all over Africa would be asking themselves this question. Who is Jesus to me? When I wake up in the morning, when I go on my knees to pray, when I go to church for a service, who? What kind of Jesus am I coming to relate exactly. with? Exactly. But remember, Rogers, this morning we are focusing especially on John 10.30, when Jesus says, me and my father are one. Now, In... <laughs> we're getting there. You know, what is very interesting about yeah. this question is that while the people ask the question of who Jesus is, they are not ready for the truth that he's going uh, to that's tell That's the them. thing. 
that's the thing. And you know, it's not only them, even today. <laughs> even today. <laughs> Very interesting. They ask the question, and then when you listen to Jesus' response, Jesus is actually saying, you guys are asking what is obvious. I have been telling you who I am since I came on the world scene. Yes. From day one, I never hid it from you. What do you want from me? What special thing do you want me to tell you? Because if you, if, if you remember, Rogers, just prior, a few chapters before chapter 10, in chapter 8, Jesus is telling them, before Abraham was, I am. Yes. In yes. other words, before everything else was there. I was there. In fact, Jesus has been telling them a number of things that they have not listened to. Uh, and in John 8, he has already told them he, he is the light of the world. He has already told them that he is the I am who was even before Abraham was. In John 10, he has told them, I am the good shepherd. And all those are expressions that describe Godhood, by the way, because no other man would fit into that kind of identification that he gives. But for some reason... They think that is not clear. Yeah. They are saying, please, in plain words, in Just a language we us. understand. Just tell Can you us tell us who, who you are? are. Who and are. Jesus says, okay, if that's what you really want to know, let's talk about it. Yes. So but, who am I? But remember, these are the, you know, it, it amazes me. These are the same people, just a few chapters before chapter 10. They're the same people who, when Jesus told them, I am, I am the I am. They picked up stones and they wanted to stone Jesus. Exactly. And yes, Jesus in this in this scene again, he tells them again, "Me and my father are one." One. And you know what is interesting is that he doesn't just say, "Me and father and my father are one," but he even sets out illustrations and proof to show that he is who he is, he says he is. Number one, he says, "Look at the works I do. Mm. These miracles. Who else has done them?" And if you don't believe me for what I say, can't you at least believe what I do? There is what I say, and there is what you see. Mm. Can't you at least believe on the basis exactly. of demonstration? Exactly. But he even takes it much further. He says, okay, I say that I am the son of God, and you pick up stones to stone me. And yet you claim that you believe the Bible to be the word of God. Haven't you read if scripture talked of the Jewish leaders in the Old Testament mm. and identified them as gods on the basis that God worked through them to bring his revelation mm. to mankind, mm. what is so wrong with me, the son of God, saying I am the son of God? For just claiming that I have this unique relationship with the Father, if you truly believed that those people who received God's word and God worked in them, you believed that they were gods, as the scripture says, what makes it so difficult for you to believe that, but, that, that I, I am who I am claiming to be for just claiming that I have a special yeah, relationship with the Father? If it's okay to identify the Old Testament Jewish leaders as gods, small g, why is it so hard for you to believe me when I claim and prove my claims with demonstration by the miraculous works that I, I am do? Not, I am not only claiming that I can do A, B, C, D. Actually, I am authenticating my claims by doing the exact things that I, I, I say I can do. So he takes it much further and makes a very astounding, controversial statement. And what does he say? Me and the Father are uh, one. one. Wow. And we are told once again, <laughs> they, they pick Stone, stones to stone him. To so what does Jesus mean really when he says me and my father are one? Number one, how do the Jews understand this that causes them to want to stone him? 
And number two, how should we believers living 2,000 years away from this scenario understand this? And how should the truth of this statement inform the rest of our lives as believers? As usual, Rogers, you know, we are living at a time in history where such sayings of Jesus have been hugely distorted to the destruction of the many people. Uh, mm, in these mm, churches. So, mm. oh, can, can we just point out probably a few things that, um, uh, are the obvious distortions that people have, uh, have read these statements and they've come up with huge distortions which have, uh, gravely destroyed people in the Please, churches. Go ahead, go yeah. ahead. For example, I have one particular group. Dear listeners, you see them, you see them coming, knocking on your doors, and they will say, well, Jesus is not claiming to be God. He's only claiming to have a unity in purpose with the Father. All they share with the Father is the purpose and the goal, the mission that they have. But I have he, heard some people who are saying that, that when Jesus said, me and my Father are one, he meant that they were all in agreement on the plan to save the world, that that's what it means. Not necessarily that Jesus was claiming to be God. Mm -hmm. So you will see mm -hmm. them in Uganda here, in Kenya and the rest of Africa, you will see a lot of many people, a lot of churches that believe that all Jesus was claiming was the unity in purpose, not necessarily the, the divine, the divine essence that he shares with the Father. In fact, it might interest you to know that I have also had some big people from a certain religious group in Uganda here who are interpreting this verse to mean that the Father has a physical body like Jesus. Because oh, yeah. you see, Jesus is uh, in human form. He's standing before the leaders of the Jews on that day, and he's saying, my father and I are one. So the immediate conclusion is, oh, so if Jesus and the father are one, and Jesus is a human being, it means the father is also a human being. So they have concluded that the father also has a physical human body. But you know, the people who are distorting these things, Rogers, we must remember that there is a reason why it, it becomes so easy to misunderstand what Jesus meant by claiming whatever And that's he how a number of false religious groups have come up. Misunderstand the scripture, distort what scripture is saying, divert its meaning away from the truth of the Bible, and before you know it, you have a group that is uh, seriously false, and its falsehood is not just in terms of belief, but in practice as well. For instance, I once had a pastor who was quoting this verse as well, and he was using it to deny the Trinity he was saying that since Jesus says my father and I are one, it means Jesus is the son as well as the father. So according <laughs> to him, the Trinity means Jesus is the father. At the same time, he's the son, and at the same time, he's the Holy Spirit. So basically what he meant was, if I'm getting you correctly, in the Old Testament, Jesus appeared as the father. Yes. And then in the New Testament, Jesus appeared as the son. Yes. And then maybe in this dispensation we are in now, Jesus, the same Jesus is appearing as the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So for them, when Jesus says, my father and I are one, he's meaning that he is the father as well as the son and as well as oh, the no, Holy that's Spirit. A, that's, that's a huge distortion, and we must be willing to correct that mistake. That's not what Jesus is saying. But maybe, Roger, the question will be, what then did Jesus mean? Exactly. When Jesus says, my father and I are one, is he saying they are united in purpose? Is he saying the father also has a physical body? Is he saying Jesus is the son as well as the father? And the answer is, 
No. If the Jews themselves from the context will tell us what they believe Jesus said. And actually the Jews understood him much better than than, yeah, yes. than look at that, than these religious groupings of today who claim otherwise they they understood him well. Jesus we, asks them that for which of these good works I have done do you stone me? And they say no we do not stone you for, for the, the good, good works. Work yes. Done. We stone you for blasphemy because how can a man like you claim to be God. God. They understand that Jesus is not talking about the unity of purpose or mission. They understand that Jesus is not saying he is the father, but Jesus is saying he is God. And remember, even when they understood him in that way, they accused him of blasphemy. Jesus does not rush into their, into their mouth and say, no, 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 come on. You guys are misunderstanding, you are misunderstanding me. me. <laughs> let me just, let me just clarify. He doesn't say that. No, no, no. The way he reacts to this whole thing, he, he knows that these people have understood him correctly. Exactly. So while we all agree that there is a sense in which the father and the son are united in the purpose, in the mission of saving mankind, this is not what Jesus is referring mm -hmm. to here. Mm -hmm. Jesus, without missing any word, is saying, I am God. And the Jews understand him to mean that that's exactly what he is saying. And that's why they apply the Old Testament law in Leviticus to stone anybody who claims to be God. God. And for your own information, Rogers, if Jesus only claimed to have a, a unity in purpose with the Father, if that's all he meant, surely the Jews would not have picked up stones to, to no, kill him. No, actually because there is a sense in which Israel as a nation and all the prophets believed that they were united in purpose with God. Of, of course. They would of course. have embraced him they would and have received loved him, him as one of their own. Yeah. No, but they understand that he's not talking about unity of purpose. He's saying, I am God, just like the Father is. My Father and I, we share the same divine nature. We are cut from the same essence. We are of the same equal status. We are God. And for mm -hmm. them, that is unacceptable. But, but you know, you know, Rogers, we can talk about this. But what does this mean to our listener today in Uganda, in Zambia, in Kenya, in South Africa? What does this mean? One fundamental thing we must understand in our approach to the Christian faith and the scriptures is again going back to the doctrine of the Trinity mm. that so many people over the ages continue to misunderstand. Mm. That when we Christians say we believe in the Trinity, we are saying we believe in one God, but this God is triune. Mm. He has revealed himself in three persons, mm. the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. They are all of the same nature. It is one God we are talking about, but three persons from one nature playing different roles. Mm. So even when Jesus says, my father and I are one, he's talking about the oneness of nature, the oneness of essence, because in other passages of the Bible, we will see him playing different roles from the way the father is playing his. In mm. fact, later in the other verses in John 14, Jesus himself will say, I am the, I'm less than the father. The father is greater than I am. So what is he talking about? 
Is he saying he's not God anymore? No. Mm. What he's saying is that in terms of nature, my father and I are of the same status. Mm. But in terms of function and position and roles and office, I am less than the father. I am in human form. I am limited in what I do and can't do because I have put on human flesh. But in terms of nature and essence, we I am one. I am God. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. God. So maybe Rogers, the question should be, what do you think are the implications for denying the triune nature of God in so far as the eternal blessings are concerned for Christians you in see, Uganda today? You cannot today? relate fully with Jesus apart from his godhood. If Jesus cannot be God, then he cannot be the savior. Because the only one who can save man from his sins is God. A man cannot save a fellow man. Mm. So if Jesus was just a mere human being who died, he died for himself, not for us. For Jesus to be the savior that the sinner needs, that Jesus must be God. Mm. Because only God forgives sins. Mm. Only God can grant eternal life. Only God can take away judgment that is due for every sinner. So to relate to a Jesus who is everything else but not God is to relate to a man. And that man is never going to save us. And And that is the mystery of the incarnation, that the one who was God in every way, who shared the same nature with the Father and the Holy Spirit in order to save mankind, condescended to the level of human beings, put on human flesh without losing his godhood, and now in his dual nature, as a fully God and fully man, he qualifies to be the mediator between God and man. Because he has divinity in him, and he has humanity in him, he is the only man who qualifies to connect humanity and divinity together. And that is Mm. why Paul writing to Timothy will say that there is one God, and there is one mediator between man and God, the one who understands Godhood and also humanity. And that is the only man who can bridge the gap between man and, and, and the and, God. And, and maybe let me just read briefly what Paul writes to the church in, uh, in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Mm. And this is what Paul is saying. He's talking about Jesus here. Mm. Though he was God, mm. he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Mm, he took mm. the humble position of a slave. I want you to, to notice this. Though he was God, yes, he did not think of equality with God. Meaning he was equal with God. He was equal with God. But for purposes of saving mankind, mm. he chose a lesser position. Yes, Instead, yes. he gave up his divine privileges. Mm. He took the humble position of a slave, a humble position of a slave, becoming human, mm, mm. coming in human flesh with us, and even though he was God. It be understood, Kennedy, by our listeners, that by Jesus becoming human, he did not set Godhood aside. Yes, it's true. He added his humanity to his Godhood. Mm-hmm. So we are not talking about the, the Jesus who used to be God, but stopped being God and only became human. And Paul continues here, Rogers. He, he says, and he was born as a human being mm. when he mm. appeared in human form. That's when right. God appeared in human form, mm. he humbled himself in obedience and died a criminal death on the cross. A criminal's a death, criminal's on, the death 
on the cross because that's what was required mm. for the mm. salvation of man to be achieved. So what we have here is God who puts on human flesh in what has come to be called the incarnation, where God becomes Emmanuel, God with us, now living among men, sharing their humanity, experiencing their suffering, understanding their crisis, giving up his life on their behalf, and purchasing eternal salvation for them. Amen. God, Emmanuel, living Amen. among men. Amen. That is what Jesus is about. What? When the Jews say, tell us who you are, that, that is what they need to hear. What a demonstration uh, of grace, a demonstration of love for the sinful humanity. So what kind of Jesus have you come to relate to, my brother, my sister? Are you asking the same question like the Jews, that Jesus tell me, who are you really? And number two, are you sure you are willing to accept the truth Jesus is going to tell you? Because when Jesus answers your question, he does not come as a relief worker. He does not come as a world vision staff bringing salt and soap to the needy communities. He does not just come as the healer of your sicknesses. He comes as God. Equality with the Father, mm -hmm. the one who has come to set you free by giving his life so that you may receive it. And the question is, what will you do with that Jesus? And, the and, passage we read concludes saying that, and many believed in him. Mm -hmm. Will you believe, mm -hmm. my friend? And you know, Rogers, these things do not change just because you haven't believed in them. Mm -hmm. Whether you believe in them, or you don't believe in them, Jesus does not change. He is who he is. Exactly. And when the word of God is coming to you, it does not go void. It either has to bless you, save you, based on how you take it, or it will bring judgment upon you. So what kind of Jesus have you come to relate to, my brothers? What did Jesus say? What did Jesus mean? And what does that mean for you today and for the rest of your life? May God bless you so much as you continue to ponder this scripture and how we pray that you would know the truth of God's word and the truth would Shall set, set you, free. you free. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.